It is a beautiful Monday morning. That's not a good start, is it, Jordan? No, no. Let's say it like this. Try and apply that theory to any other industry in the world. It's a scam. I was betting like 70, 80k. This is the Trademate Sports Betting Podcast, helping you beat the bookmakers. G'day, everyone, and welcome to the Trademate Sports Betting Podcast. Today, I'm joined by Ed Hawkins, who is the three-time Sports Journalist Association's Sports Betting Writer of the Year. He is Betfair's cricket betting correspondent, and he has also written two books on gambling, specifically Bookie Gambler Fixer Spy and Sporting Chancer. Welcome to the podcast, Ed. Thanks for having me. Pleasure having you on, mate. Um, maybe just give everyone a bit of a, a background on yourself to start off with and, um, yeah, maybe explain why you've chosen cricket cricket, sorry, as your uh, your choice of sport to bet. Yeah, I suppose it's one of those stories where which starts with I kind of fell into it, really. Initially, I wanted to be a football reporter and I ended up on a newspaper and there was no one around to write cricket and cricket always being a passion anyway as a kid growing up I wanted to be a cricketer realized there was nowhere near good enough so I thought I might like to write about sport instead so started writing about cricket then uh, an opportunity came up to go and work at the racing post which is kind of the bible betting bible over here in the UK and I started writing about cricket for them and that was about 20 years ago so I've been tipping on cricket for about 20 years yeah, wow, okay. And, and are you normally focusing on in-play or pre-match betting? bit of both. I'm more pre-match than in-play um, because I enjoy that um, that unknown side of things uh, before, a, before a game starts. But I think it's almost impossible now not to be heavily involved in the in-play and increasingly uh, it's an area which you've got to go to because – the vast majority of money is there for, for the in-play now. And there are lots of ways to find value on in-play because obviously people are making split-second emotional decisions. So the ability to spot Ricks is greater. So in-play is, is, is fantastic. But I enjoy the pre-match stuff more than the in-play, I think. Yeah, so I guess when you're so when you're looking at a, a pre-match selection, I'm sorry, I'm still here. My uh, camera just likes to turn off every now and then. Um, yeah, when you're going to to spot a pre-match bet, can you kind of explain your your process? Like, are you more like stats based, or are you looking at the prices? And I mean, are you kind of just doing like paper prices kind of thing, writing down what you think your prices are? Yeah, sure. So, I mean, my strategy has changed. I mean, obviously, I've been doing it 20 years, so it was, it was always going to change. But I was used to be what I'd call sort of an eye punter. So I'd be betting on players from what I'd seen on the TV. Because uh, I always felt I could spot a, a decent player, you know, a batsman who had that extra split second, second of time uh, facing a quick bowler or, you know, a fast bowler had a particularly nice action and stuff like that. So when I started, I was sort of, um, checking the 11s of each team and then working out who, which I felt man for man was, was the best team and I'd be betting that way and that would be the same as things like top run score or top ball. I'd be thinking like this guy, using my eye, this guy is a, is a good player. Um, and the further I got into it, I realised that statistics were far more important and 
I think with the advent of social media, however long ago that was, I can't even remember, I don't really want to remember either, that it's almost impossible now to hold an opinion about anything without somebody telling you that you're an idiot and you're wrong and then producing some incredible statistic to actually prove that. So I realized that uh, there's no point saying, for example, Glenn Maxwell is you know, a value bet to top score for Australia in a T20 because I think he's a good player. Uh, some, someone might be able to produce a statistic which says that uh, Finch is the man to follow because he wins X amount of times out of X and the price is wrong. So you've got to, you've got to be able to show now statistically that a price is wrong. And uh, last few years, I've really been doing that, uh, talking about paper prices, as you say, working out. Uh, what the odds should be. How often do these guys win? How often do these teams win? And trying to factor in things like conditions and matchups as well. Uh, I'm conscious there is a lot to get through there. <laughs> so yeah. it's, it, it's incredibly involved uh, these days, the way, the way you have to do it to try and find those edges. And, I mean, if you are someone in football betting, it's it's pretty hard to find a sustainable long-term edge from just looking at stats nowadays because that's kind sure. of factored into the bookies' prices. Would you say it's a completely different ball game for cricket? Are the I guess the compilers and maybe sports betters themselves aren't too, yeah, you know, looking yeah, look, too much at the stats. Yeah, I think there is. I think there's also about. Question about resources for bookmakers, particularly on the high street. You know, they don't have the resources to put into um, markets, which you know basically just don't turn over as much. So it's not as important as them to get for them to get it as right uh, as as football, which is obviously their biggest business. So they have to be absolutely you know to the decimal point on a price yeah. with football, and you don't get that in cricket because there just isn't the time or resources available for for the bookies to do that. So there's absolutely terrific for us um if you're a cricket punter and if you know your stuff and you know uh you know that talking about glenn maxwell the example i gave earlier i mean he's a guy in t20 cricket for australia he was likely to go off about seven to two four to one and that's seven to two price we know we're getting about four percent implied probability in our favor because uh that's how the stats uh, throw up an edge so uh bookmakers aren't really um pricing up uh, markets on how often guys or teams are actually winning uh, at the moment and that that could well change but at the moment there's there's significant edges there and how much does your approach change from format to format so is i mean is it the same kind of approach t20 one day as test matches it's not the same approach um in test matches i think um, conditions are absolutely king, absolutely everything. And I would be nervous about betting in a test match if I didn't have a you know really great idea of what the pitch was going to do. Um, I don't like to be betting in a test match unless I can say I know that the pitch is likely to behave like this. Well, that's not so important in ODI and T20. And also in test matches, the, the toss is incredibly important and there's been a recent trend uh, probably since the, the advent of, of T20 and the real sort of um, popularism of, of white ball cricket has taken hold uh, where players can see 
that's where the money is so they've prioritized white ball cricket and that's that's fine <laughs> donna start, start having a um a conversation about uh traditionalism versus you know the modern trends but um the toss is really important in test match cricket because of white ball cr cricket has eroded techniques um and i can prove that by the way with the stats if you go and look at cricket only better the Betfair betting podcast long 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 time ago we did prove that white ball cricket is eroded technique so it's not it's not a lazy opinion before start people start tweeting me <laughs> um uh, the toss is so important and because pitches tend to wear techniques on a fourth and fifth day wearing pitch are really really exposed so it's, it's quite tricky for a team who is uh, batting last to win a test match uh, and that throws up plenty of value i think um on your match uh, on your match outright um so i'm really really keen to be betting if i know the pitch and who's batting uh, first or second yeah i mean you talked about pitch conditions is that is that a like something that you could find out like how early can you find out about pitch conditions or is it more so just watching the broadcast half an hour an hour before the match starts I don't do that because I don't tend not to trust the people who are sticking their keys into the pitch uh, and what have <laughs> you. You know, the, the infamous pitch report. I don't um, spend any time with, with that at all. Um, I will be purely looking at statistics and looking what the first innings averages are on that particular venue. Uh, looking at toss bias, uh, which is really important in in, in test matches. Um, and ODI and, and T20 because there are some venues which which favour the chaser and we're talking about Pakistan Super League at the moment and they were going to be playing it in Karachi but they've, they've switched it to the UAE now and um, a little bit disappointed they're not playing it in Karachi because there's a huge toss bias there uh, for the chaser absolutely incredible I think it's like 17 out of the last 19 I think um, mm. won by the chaser so there's a there's a fantastic edge there uh for punters um and the markets can be slow to pick up on that or they can be slow to to recall that um so uh doing your research on a ground is really really important you've got to you've got to have an idea of what the pitch is going to do uh, before having any kind of bet i think um but as i said i wouldn't be wor worried about what the broadcasters are saying i'll be on quick info first things average who does well there who doesn't do well there what type of bowlers do well well there is it a spinning wicket and all that kind of thing and really really going into it uh, in as much depth as as you possibly can can you can you pay much attention to the weather especially in a test match or is that kind of no edge there the the bookmakers have already seen that there's possibility of rain on day three or four or whatever day it could be yeah i mean the, the, the thing with the weather is in test matches um i suppose people's talk about there being an edge if there's a poor weather forecast there's going to be rain they're going to start backing the draw uh one of my golden golden rules of betting on test matches if there is weather around i'm not backing the draw um because it, time can be made up and often is the drainage systems around the world are so good now it's really really rare to lose a whole chunk of overs in a test match which means there's a more likely chance for a draw. It just it just doesn't happen. I think I can probably tell you I've I've tipped the draw maybe 
maybe once or twice in the last 10 years in a test match. And that was probably because of a really bad weather forecast. And I didn't win. I, it was wrong. So I don't, <laughs> get, I don't get involved with, with that at all. I know there are people who have got their weather radars on their laptops or, or what have you, and they're watching when the rain is about to turn up and there's an edge there on an exchange because if you can see the weather radar and then you can you can lay the draw then mm. and then it starts to rain on the broadcast that's how people make their money taking that difference in price when it rains and the price collapses yeah well and and the the coin toss mate is that do you, do you do you place bets ever before the coin toss or are you always waiting till after the coin toss and i guess how much does the the coin toss play on the I guess the volatility in the betting market. Yeah, I mean it's it's obviously venue dependent. It, it's it's hugely venue dependent. I mentioned Karachi earlier, so there's a big favour uh, for the chaser there. So you can go one of two ways. So you've got uh, in the Pakistan Super League, you've got one point seven chance against a two point three chance in, in Karachi. Now you can all, all automatically argue that one point seven chance is a, is a is a terrible wager. Um, because of that huge toss bias, so you can lay them because there's no guarantee that obviously the toss is going to go their way. Um, so that's that's value. Clearly, it's value because um, they're 1.7, and and the toss bias is such it's basically you know a 50-50 game on on a on a on a coin toss. Um, so you can go that way, or you can actually wait until that 1.7 chance that has actually got the, the toss bias in its favour, and it's and it's not going to. The price isn't going to collapse as off as big as as perhaps you might think. Um, certainly in the PSL, uh, before postponement, the market on the exchange Betfair was quite slow to pick up on the toss bias. So um, the market can be a little bit inefficient with regard to toss biases and, and and the way pitches change now over the course of the tournament because of because of COVID. We've got uh, so many games being played on on. On, on the, just like two or three services, um, but generally, when you've got a toss bias, if you don't want to be um, particularly value anal about it, um, wait till after the toss and, and get with your team, uh, which has the has the toss bias uh, in favour. And and also, particularly with T Twenty, less so with ODI cricket, there there are bias related to individual teams. Um, some teams are good at chasing. Some could, teams are good at defending. The Sixers, for example, in the Bash, um, apart from uh, last season, I think, historically a terrible record uh, defending a score. Um, so you wouldn't want to be on the Sixers defending a score at, at a venue which had a, a, a bias for, for the chaser, for example, or... Um, Sunrisers Hyderabad surprisingly have a very poor record defending a score as well over the last two or three years. So again, if you can marry up uh, venue toss bias with with team bias and then wait till after the toss, then you're, you're going to be okay in the long run. Yeah. So how efficient would you say the market is in general? I mean, I would assume the betting market isn't efficient before the toss. But if we're talking seconds before the game kicks off, how yeah. efficient is the market? And 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 if if it is, or however efficient it is, is there a bookmaker or maybe one of the exchanges that you think is the most fair reflection of the true odds? Yeah, I mean, I think I think Betfair is a, a fair reflection of the, of the true odds. 
um, post toss. I think, as I mentioned earlier about the PSL, it can be quite sort of slow to pick up on on toss bias, and it all can be also can be quite slow to pick on pick up on pitch characteristics, or um, and this is a bit more involved, you know, run scoring trends. I think we're seeing run scoring trends in, in T20 going up uh, in the IPL recently. Um, there was certainly a lot of edges for uh, 160 or, or 170 or more when T20 started. Um, you know, those kind of scores were were not so common, but now they're they're round about par, one six mid one sixties around about par because we're seeing runs getting going up. The market can be a little bit inefficient in terms of historic trends catching up with that. Um, and in tournaments, it can be slow to catch up pre-toss um, with with a toss bias or pitch characteristics, certainly. Uh, and that goes for Betfair as well. Yeah, so you wouldn't, like a bookmaker like Pinnacle, you'd say Betfair is probably more efficient than Pinnacle? Yeah, I think I think Betfair's, Betfair's um, a very f- efficient market because um, there's a lot of Indian money in the, in the Betfair market and... Um, you know your your um, your Indian syndicates are extremely switched on to what is to what is happening. So uh, Betfair is, is 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 probably the most efficient market. I'd say. Yeah. Okay. Very interesting. Um, we mentioned this a little bit before about how thorough the compiling would be on the on the bookmakers side. Um, oh, I heard you. I heard you on a previous podcast say something along the lines of. Yeah, if you do your research into a, a batsman's ground form, their their win rate and their record against the bowlers, I think it was in 2020 you were mentioning it, um, yeah. you'll be a winner in the long term in the run scorer market. So can you kind of explain explain that? Because, I mean, it's probably, you know, it's a thorough process, I assume, going through all those statistics. But, I mean, a lot of people could probably learn the ability to do that over time. Yeah, no. Anyone, anyone can do that. It's just a question of having the time to do the research. If you've got the time to to do it, then you you, you will be you'll be fine, and you'll you'll make money on the long run. Um, you'll make money on the long run if you're betting wrong prices, and uh, a wrong price on a top run score market for me is if I can prove that we have an edge on implied probability. Now, somebody like KL Rahul. I can look at his last two-year record in IPL, last three-year record in IPL, and I can tell you he's going to be winning that top run scorer market about 40% of the time. And you know, often you're able to get uh, nine to four, you're able to get five to two sometimes on KL Rahul. So you immediately you've got an edge there. I mentioned Maxwell earlier getting about four points on implied probability if he's going off at about seven to two because how often he wins. Tell me how often a batsman wins. Tell me how often a bowler wins over the last two and three years. I don't want to look at his entire career. I think that's mm. really important. Um, you know, it, I don't think it's recency bias to be talking about last two or three years because you've got a big uh, weight of games to go through um, and you need to be uh, narrowing it down to the last two or three years because you've got new players coming through, you've got lineups changing all the time you don't want to be looking at a guy's uh, long career uh, to work out how often he wins just so just keep it to last two three years um 
and you'll be you'll be fine if you're taking wrong prices on that win rate to give you extra comfort rugs you can you can look at the guy's record on a particular ground and if he's got a solid record there that's another tick in his favor and also now and this is something which is really going to be uh, coming to the fore in the next few years i think you go to a website like crick metric where you can you can go and check on a guy's uh, individual record against individual bowlers so um you're able to look at his strike rate against that bowler, how many times he's been dismissed against that bowler, and you can really basically build a picture from mm. numbers one to seven about where the value is. So if you can get those you know, all those planets in line, win rate, ground form, form against bowlers, um, you're going to be fine. You're going to make money. Yeah. Oh, I mean, that's, you know, and you can. And you can flip that round as well. You can you can do it with bowlers. Um, the, the top bowler market is in, is incredibly profitable, and mistakes are made there with bookmakers all the time because that is a market which they're really pricing up on um, reputation rather than record. An example might be uh, Kajiso Rabada versus Lungi Magidi for the top bowler. Now Rabada is going to be your nine to four favourite, and you might get hundred to thirty about Magidi now. On win rate, it should be the other way around. Nagidi is a better strike bowler than Rabada. Now, Nagidi may go for ten and over, but he takes his, his strike record is, is vastly superior to to Rabada, um, and his win rate is vastly superior. So you're getting a massive edge on a guy like Nagidi, and there are edges all over the place on your top bowler markets uh, like that. I mean, there's a really profitable market top bowler because realistically. You're only really you don't have much to beat. You've got like two or three guys who are only really in it. And particularly in T twenty, there's a huge advantage to be bowling up front and at the death uh, in those power plays because batsmen are taking more risks. So so bowlers yeah. take take more wickets. So top bowler is probably my favorite favorite market, I'd say. Yeah, I assume you've kind of got it down to a fine art, like pre-match now. Like you probably, you know, you, you know all the websites you want to go to, you know all the stats you want to look at. So you've probably got it down to however long time period has probably, you know, gotten quicker over time. How long do you yeah. think, like on average, how long does it take you to do your research on one particular game? Maybe it's longer for a test match or, a you know, a certain type of cricket match. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's got, it's got longer, but it takes about a couple of hours now. Um, because it, you know I've got my own database now where I can look at the win rates for these guys. I've got somebody who, who does that for me, so um, yeah. it's, it, that's easy for me. But it's you know it's relatively easy to start building your own your own database. You can go onto Crick Info and you can find out um, your your win rates on your top bat, top bats and top bowlers in international cricket. Uh, it's harder to do it with, with franchise cricket. It's more laborious. There's no actual. Um, um, Sort of manual method to do it. You can try and find, you know, a, a you know, a computer boffin who can go and grab that data for you and, and put it into an Excel and, and then update it yourself, and uh, and you'll be fine again. But yeah, you look, it's it takes time, but it is rewarding, you know. Yeah, certainly. I mean, if you're a if you're a cricket lover, and even if you just want to have a bit of fun on the side, like you're not going to be too phased about doing a little bit of research before a game. Um, you mentioned looking at 
batsman's like last two or three years data and not so much past that. What what do you, how much do you factor in form? Because from a you know, I watch cricket every summer in Australia. I don't follow it that closely. And from like a, I guess maybe you want to call it like a punter's outside kind of eyes looking in, it seems like, um, you know, form weighs pretty heavily on how a, how a batsman especially might perform in a game. Yeah, and there are some players um, who hit a rich vein of form and then don't kind of stop. Uh, Darwin, for example, in, in T20 cricket, once he once he um, gets a score, he he he's he's a guy who's capable of putting um, scores back to back and to just to keep going. He just hits a purple patch and keeps going. Whereas the majority of players have a score and then it's two or three games where they don't in T20 cricket. Um, so you know, form by and large is tempering. You've got to try and make make sure you're on the right side of that and that is that is not easy uh timing is absolutely everything uh when it comes to any form of betting as, as you know so um there are going to be times where um you're hitting those win rates um and you're taking those wrong prices but your guy's just not in form uh Richard Pant, perhaps last um season in the IPL not this one which has just been postponed he was an example of that he cost a lot of money um and Virat Kohli has been in a terrible uh, sequence of form for a, for a couple of years now, um, and a lot of people have lost a you know a lot of units backing Coley on win rates um, over the last two years across all formats um, because of what he'd done previously. And he's just he's just the guy's just in a rut. Um, so there are times where it, that, that things like that just aren't really predictable. Uh, there could be things we just don't know about which are going on, you know, off the field. He's got some um, some stress issues that he's dealing with, things that he's not particularly happy about, you know, in the team environment. It, you know, at the end of the day, it is, still a, it is still a gamble. So we can't predict everything. And, and form is just one of those things that we can't, we can't predict. We can see it once the tournament is underway. Um, uh, you can see it when a, a guy is, is striking a ball well. Uh, for example, but also um, you can't. I don't think you can see it with a bowler. If a bowler is in form, um, people might might disagree. Maybe that's just just my eye, or it's just not my special specialism with with spotting when a bowler is in form or out of form. So um, it's 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 tricky. It's ephemeral. It's um, it's it's the thing which probably makes it um, most exciting. I think still you can go into the matrix and. And reckon you're predicting it to, you know, to the last decimal point. But actually, the guy's just not seeing it, seeing that, seeing it that well. Yeah. So, it, how does it affect the way you price a match? Then, like, if for example, you had you wanted to bet Coley because every stat lined up in your direction and you could spot some value, but I mean, he hasn't scored for about five, six games or something like that. Yeah. How do you? How does that play into your pricing? Uh, that's that's hard because that's um, this is when you have to start trying to block out emotion, I think. Um, yeah. And you've just got to try to show faith in the numbers. And Coley's a great example of that. I think he top scored once in the IPL. Um, and I think he top scored with about 33 or 34. So he was never actually in form. And uh, I was on him 
um, up until two games before he top scored. I just basically ran out of patience with with Coley. Uh, whereas, of course, what I, by the letter of the law, what I should have been doing is for the, for the, up until that point where I did top score, I should really have been been hammering hammering his prices harder because the data was saying, you know, he's he's overdue and he's he, he's got he's got to win at, at some point. Um, but um, I think also if you're gonna if you're gonna do that, if you're gonna allow emotion to come in, and that's almost impossible to do unless you're a robot. And some people are brilliant at it. Um, but I'd never claim to be uh, someone who can completely block out emotion. If you if you can't um, can't block it out, just just let it in and just accept that's the kind of punter you are. That you just don't want to be kept being a mug, being made a mug by you know one particular guy. And if he top scores when you're not on him, fine, just put it down to experience and just put it down to the fact that that is that is gambling and you know that's that's why we enjoy doing it yeah and and so overall mate would you say the best value opportunities in cricket come in those top run scorer top bowler markets or are there i guess i'm not sure what you call it in uh, cricket maybe match betting or 1x2 i guess you can call it in in soccer but like what would you um yeah i guess what markets you think create the most value often yeah, I mean, I think you're getting you're getting a lot of um, value on those top bat and top bowler markets in play markets uh, with innings runs, particularly in T20. Um, there's there's a huge amount of value to be had betting on the extremes. Um, you know, there's there's a huge lot of value to be had betting in play on test matches with uh, on the exchanges. People overreacting to uh, the new ball, for example. Um, you know, it still surprises me when we see, uh, you know, clatter of early wickets in a test match. And there are, you know, there are punters out there who think this, the ball's going to keep swinging for 80 overs, but it's not. Um, you know, runs are going to be scored. So, uh, you know, I just think cricket is, a, um, is, is, is the perfect sport to bet on because there are um, edges uh, written into the rules, if you like, um, which provide that value as I mentioned there with the new ball in test matches, we know when wickets are more likely to happen. We know when it's more likely to get easier for batsmen to score runs. Um, you know, the toss buyers, uh, the pitch conditions are so important. Um, you know, there's, there's value all over the place. Um, T20 cricket going extremes in the death overs, I think is, is a really big one on innings runs, for example, um, in IPL. Uh, on the runs line saying you want 40 or 50 more in the last three overs of a T20 and you'll get massive prices on that. It's just mind-boggling prices that you can pick up. Um, and you you can be hitting those in every single game, but you only need, you know, a handful to come off and you're, you're in profit. So, and and it, it does happen. It happens every franchise tournament. So what you're saying is there's value everywhere, man. I think you mentioned but, every look, market. Then. <laughs> no, there is. There's there's value everywhere, and that goes back to what I was saying earlier. I think perhaps about um, resources and, and time that, that bookmakers can have um, to put into this. So you know, cricket is just it's just a wash a wash with value, and in relation to a sport like football, where uh, you know the algorithms and the resources are so. Uh, intuitive complex and vast retrospectively cricket 
is still providing um, that edge because it's just not comparable. Yeah, and and I believe you once men once mentioned, sorry, that um, that even if a batsman or sorry a bowler has an amazing innings, picks up lots of wickets, it invariably goes to the the man of the match award goes to the to the batsman. Can you? Yeah. I don't know. I obviously I kind of put you on the spot here, but are there any like hard form statistics about this and whether like that's actually an explorable betting avenue? Yeah, and it's it's something I've only actually started to look into um, this year. I mean, I think there's a real uh, deep data dive to be done on it, but um, maybe I'll throw the question back at you. We talk about male and match awards in um, franchise T20 cricket of the front 22. How many of them do you think are specialist bowlers? That's that's most male and match awards throughout careers. There's, there's the top 22. How many do you think are specialist bowlers? Hmm. Maybe five. No, there's only one. So it's Rashid Khan. He's at number twenty-two. So <laughs> there is a huge bias because it's it's learned behaviour about um, about the game of cricket. Batsmen, for some reason, are you know they are pedestaled. Uh, that may well go back to you know the the game's tradition and very early days where cricket was. Con you know, batting was considered an art form and bowling was to be done by, um, you know, the farm labourers and, and it was the gentry who would, you know, who would bat. Um, it probably goes back to that. Uh, but there is a huge bias for Man of the Match Awards to go to batsmen because it is a batsman's game, um, uh, particularly in T20. There is a huge correlation between your top match run scorer and uh, your Man of the Match award um and it's something to look into if you're if you're betting a guy for even top individual innings run score someone like K.L. rahul at, you know nine to four you've got a massive edge there where you can be betting him for man of the match at seven or eight to one you're getting a massive edge there because if he top scores and he's doing it 40 percent of the time because of the relationship between uh your dominant batsman and the man of the match you're getting an, you know, another edge so mm. You know, put that one in your notebook. Yeah, I like that, mate. That's a good one. Um, we've talked a lot of pre-match. I've got one question here about about in-play betting, and it was from one of your your co-hosts on the on the Betfair podcast. I, I'm not going to be able to pronounce his name, but his last name's or oh, it's Paul Krishnamurti, something like that. Yeah, you've Maybe got Krishnamurti. Yeah, Namurti. There you go. Um, I thought he said something really interesting. He said, be a contrarian once the game starts and don't be a favourite backer and in play. And and he says you'll be in a good place because things can change really quickly in a game of cricket. I mean, especially um, especially test matches. So, yeah, I mean, have you had much experience with that yourself and is that something you try to explore in the in-play markets? I think that's kind of innate. I think that's built in as a as a um, gambler or a punter or someone's interested in betting. I just and I think that goes for any sport and any 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 punter. Really, I think we are uh, programmed to be wanting to be taking on the favourites and, and be contrarian. And you know, the phrase that I always think about is only dead fish go with the tide. So definitely, I'm always trying to find ways I can go against against the market i suppose um i will 
try to find statistics which back that opinion up. I just won't be be lazy and uh, and be um, an awkward contrarian if, if that makes sense. I, I want some sort of data to help to help back that up. But you know, it kind of goes back to that point I was saying about um, in test matches, the new ball um, you'll get a couple of wickets um, early with it, um, but it's quite easy to be the contrarian then because really you should you know if you're steeped in the game uh, and you're steeped in in betting then um it should be child's play really to to recognize that the the status quo in that game isn't going to remain um you know yeah status quo is is, a, is another good good phrase really you can always challenge the status quo i think with cricket particularly test matches because uh, as paul mentioned um in that podcast you know, it's five days um and um your favorite on day one isn't necessarily going to be the same favorite on day three uh because of the conditions change because of what the new ball will or won't do um and that's and that's 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 brilliant for in play betting test test matches i think it's harder to be a contrarian in odi cricket um i've always had a feeling odi cricket um your um your upset or things turning around uh, are slimmer than in T20 or or test matches. Um, and that's not my favourite in-play uh, format. I, I much prefer the other two. Um, like Paul Cricket and teams and players are far more consistent, I found. Yeah, okay. So, I mean, did I, I just want to make sure I heard you correctly before. You yes. said that you think there's value in the in the kind of you know, betting if there's a wicket when the new ball comes on. Yeah, so I just think the market's going to overreact to to that new ball um, in test matches. Uh, there'll be punters who are expecting that ball to swing for 80 overs, and it's going to it's going to lose its shine. It's, batting is is always going to get easier. Um, mm. and, you know, particularly if you're doing your research on the, on the pitch as well, you'll um, you'll find instances where you know that that view is view is backed up. Um, South Africa being an, an example, I think that was also mentioned on the, the podcast on Show Eighty. Um, there was the Kookaburra ball um, loses its loses its luster quite quickly, but it'll do quite a bit early on in South Africa. So those positions at numbers four, five, and six, that's where the bulk of runs are scored in South Africa. So that. You, you do your research on that and you you adapt that to particular venues and you'll find an edge that way across all the markets you know we're talking in play we're talking uh trading the match odds if there have been early hits well you're going to go against the tide there but you can also apply it to your to your top run scorer um, markets as well and your innings runs lines of course as well now that's another one which can overreact to those to those early wickets with a new ball in test matches, I think. Yeah, I mean, being a contrarian in the new ball market, do you think that also, I mean, do you think the odds are probably a little bit bigger too? I think this um, this happens in all kinds of sports because of maybe the commentators. Maybe, you know, there's been, you know, 90, I think it's, is it 80 overs every new ball or something like that? Yeah. Um, like, do you, do you think that maybe there's been a long partnership for a while and the commentators are trying to find something new and exciting to talk about the new balls coming the new balls coming 
and it kind of gets overhyped and that reflects in the odds too. Yeah, I think that's certainly true. The, the second new ball, it can be a little bit overhyped because, you know, if you've got two set batsmen and the new ball comes comes in, then you can have a, a situation where the new ball's coming onto the bat much much quicker and it makes it easier to score runs. Um, so that's, that, that is certainly tricky, but... I think it's it's more a case of you know early on in in, in the innings of a, innings of a test match that um, there can be an overreaction. People can get emotional, and you've also got to remember in, on the exchanges, people are you know they're trying to manage their position. Um, you know, we've got a test match coming up next week: um, England versus New Zealand, and say New Zealand are batting first, and they're twenty for two, um, and people have been on New Zealand. Because let's face it, they're absolutely outstanding value at the moment, around about seven to two, I think. Um, people are going to panic, and they're going to want to try and manage their positions, or want to try and you know get out of that the bet that they've had. So um, there's always that opportunity to be the, the uh, cool as a cucumber and 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 go the other way. Yeah, no, really interesting stuff, mate. I've really enjoyed kind of getting in the ins and outs of cricket betting as i mentioned at the start we haven't really had anyone on before it's uh we haven't really talked to scent of cricket to be honest so this is a um this is this is uh you know very handy for their for our regular listeners and people who might be interested to getting into cricket mate so thank you very much for coming on can you maybe just mention where people can find you your your write-ups you do for betfair the podcast and yeah maybe mention yep. some of your books too i think you have one coming out very soon yeah so you can find me at betting.betfair uh, on the web that's where we're doing our previews um preview all the big games there um and there's lots of stats pieces and strategy pieces on there which can help you out with your betting uh, and help you make decent decisions that's kind of what we're all about the podcast is out every Tuesday. It's Cricket Only Better. You can find that on wherever you get your podcasts. Um, and you can find me at Cricket Betting on Twitter. Yeah, and as you mentioned, I've got a book coming out next month, June. So I'm, you know, also Michael Holding, ghostwriter. So Mikey's written a book on, on racism, um, not just in sport, but in life. And we've We've spoken with Thierry Henry, Naomi Osaka, um, Adam Goods, um, Kyron Tini about basically the dehumanisation of black people throughout the throughout the centuries, and it's basically all come from Mikey's chat on Sky Sports about, around about this time last year, um, where he made an impassioned speech about racism and how it affected his life and uh, and why it existed. And, and that's the book that has come out of that those moments that um, went viral on Sky Sports ahead of that West Indies test at Southampton, I think it was, um, this time last year. Yeah, sensational, mate. I'm sure that will be a, yeah, a very good read for everyone. Um, but, yeah, and I was going to say your, your handle too on Twitter, you must be happy you snapped that one up nice and early. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm waiting for someone to offer me loads of money for it, but it hasn't happened. Oh, really? Jeez, I thought you were better than <laughs> 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 Awesome, mate. Thank you very much. And thanks, everyone, for listening. Please make sure you 
uh, subscribe and um, yeah, share the podcast around always helps and uh, do a quick rate and review if you've got a spare minute. That would be sensational. And yeah, if you're looking to implement some of the strategies we talked about today, maybe not the cricket ones, but yeah, the value betting ones, start a free week trial of Trade Mate Sports. Thank you, Ed, once again. And Thanks uh, for having me. See you, mate. See you.